So remain standing, if you will. Um, I'm going to preach a message today called Appreciate the Gifts. <laughs> and we are in Corinthians. Today we're in chapter 12. I told you in the bulletin that, you know, Pam and I, our marriage, uh, we went to a counselor not too awful long ago who said, how did you two ever get together? We are, you're the most two opposite people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, that was a, a struggle for a long time in our relationship until we learned, and we're still learning, to appreciate the differences. And there's something about that. And so even today, if there are gifts that you don't quite grasp or you're afraid of spiritual gifts, just appreciate the fact that it's in God's word and it's good. And he wants us to participate together in spiritual gifts. So we have a, a man in our church who has changed my life. He speaks fluent Greek, fluent Hebrew. I would be foolish if I didn't constantly pick his brain because he knows the original languages that the Bible is written from. And he has the best translation today. And I want us to just go there. I put it on the screen for you. It's the Larry Wilson translation from the original Greek. And here's how he translates it. Now concerning the, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 14. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not wish you to be ignorant. You know that when you were Gentiles, to voiceless idols you were going and being led astray. Therefore, I am making known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, let Christ be accursed, and no one is able to say, Lord Jesus, except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are diversities of ministries and the same Lord. And there are diversities of inner workings, but the same God, the one inner working all things in all. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Some, on the one hand, are given through the Spirit a word of wisdom, and others a word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the inner working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the workings in of the one and same, the same Spirit distributing his own to each just as he is willing. For just as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of the body, being many, are one body, thus also Christ. For also by one Spirit we have all been baptized into one body, whether Jew, whether Greek, whether slave, whether free, and all we have received drink in one Spirit. For also the body is not one member, but many. Lord, Thank you for your holy word. Sometimes it's difficult to understand. Sometimes it's a little scary for people like today. Just calm us and let us know, Lord, that you have so many gifts you want to give us, and we need to receive them and then use those gifts for your honor and glory. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. As you're seated, <clears throat> I want to read now. Larry, in his translation, is very didactic. He's very precise with the word-for-word -word translation. And one of my favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. And Eugene also knew the original language, and he decided to try to bring it down onto the street level and just street talk. So uh, here's how Eugene Peterson translates in the Message Bible these same verses. What I want to talk to, what I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. That's good. This is how the Spirit 
works in our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Remember how you were when you didn't know God, led from one phony God to another, never knowing what you were doing, just doing it because everybody else did it? It's different in this life. God wants us to use our intelligence to seek to understand as well as we can. For instance, by using your head, you know perfectly well that the Spirit of God would never prompt anyone to say, Jesus, be damned. Nor would anyone be inclined to say, Jesus is master, without the insight of the Holy Spirit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. So just so you know right there, that's the first time that we know of since Jesus died, let's say A.D. 33. This is written in A.D. 51, maybe 52. And that's the first expression of the Trinity that you'll find written. God the Spirit is the one that hands out the gifts. God the Son makes sure that we carry out what the gifts will operate through us. And God the Father is the one who adds his supernatural power to whatever we are involved in. So... Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. Wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin but are handed out one by one by the Spirit of God. By the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one Spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives we each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is why we proclaimed in word and action. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Well, today's the big game, right? And uh, Kansas City Chiefs fans, where are you? And uh, Eagles fans? <laughs> oh, Cowboy fans, where are you? Never mind. You don't count today. Look at that. Did you hear the booze on that? What is it about the Cowboys? Nobody's neutral. You either love them or hate them. By wearing this jersey, I only get to wear it once a year because people get mad at me. I can't help it I was born in Dallas. I wish I was born in Boston. New England, the Patriots, they have more wins than anybody. Man. Anyway. I preach alone, Tom. So here's the deal, though. In my humble opinion, either way, Dallas wins today. Because if Kansas City wins, well, they were my first love. 
I was six years old when Lamar Hunt moved his team, the Dallas Texans, from Dallas to Kansas City and renamed them the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Dallas Texans might win the Super Bowl today. But if the best team in our division wins, that's great too because it shows you just how good the Cowboys were this year. Because we actually beat the Eagles once during the season, one of only three teams that accomplished this. So yeah, bragging rights for us if the Eagles win. We beat the Super Bowl champs of 2022. (laughs) Either way, Dallas wins. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Players in the Super Bowl today that we all get to watch, they, they, these guys, they have such incredible talent. They really do. And it's God-given. Talents and abilities that, that they've worked very hard to develop. Now we're talking um, speed, size, strength. Through practice, they've trained themselves to be able to successfully throw with accuracy, run with speed and power, and make one-handed catches with incredible agility. You know why there are so many one-handed catches? Because the defender's holding the other guy, his, his other arm. Every throw is pass interference, but they only call it every once in a while. Anyway, I hope it's a great game today. I really do. But today we're going to look at some God-given gifts that he gives to us from the Holy Spirit that we read about in the Holy Scriptures today. So if, if, everybody say if, if we combine these spiritual gifts with God's agape love, then something beautiful is going to happen. If the Holy Spirit wills it, and you allow it, allow that gift to come and and work in your life, he's going to use you and me in any number of these spiritual gifts. I believe he will give you whatever spiritual gift you need at the most appropriate time and place. Now, sure, there are those who have predominantly a gift that they flow in, like Barry Perez. When Barry comes. In fact, let me tell you a quick story. Last time he was here, we had our um, uh, pastor's prayer meeting here in the sanctuary, and we had a Lutheran brother with us, and I loved it. It was so cool. And Barry actually just calls out. He goes, uh, hey, there's somebody here, and there's really some deep work in your stomach, your, your stomach's hurting right now, and it's messing up the work in your body, and who would that be? And this Lutheran was just eyes wide open, and he, he said, that's exactly what's going on in my body. Well, come up here. So he came up, and, and Barry prayed for him. You know, that's how God works. God, God gives Barry Perez a download. In fact, he, he lets him feel it in his body. So all of a sudden, his stomach started to, to have that ache inside. Uh, he, I've seen it over and over. His knee will start to, to bark at him, you know. Whose knee? Whose knee is hurting? You know, it's just a, it's a beautiful, what I call a word of knowledge gift. You've heard me tell you the story of David Walker, who spoke here for us not too long ago. He was in Argentina. He was coming back that next day, and uh, that night he had a dream, and he dreamed that he saw somebody, a man wearing a red tie and a lady wearing a red dress. He had two of his pastors traveling with him. He woke up and and told them both the, the dream, and so they were on the lookout. David, he didn't even put a whole lot into it. They got to from Argentina, they flew to Miami, and they went into a restaurant, and one of the pastors, his associates, goes, hey, David, look, there's a guy wearing a red tie over there. And David goes, uh, okay. And then about three minutes later, huh, look, here comes his wife. She's wearing a red dress. David. 
And David was like, no, come on, guys. It was just a dream. They go, no, that's it. Go talk to him right now. Oh, David goes, all right, all right, all right. He said, he told me, Randy, he goes, I walked right up to their table, didn't know what to say. So I'm standing right in front of him, and I finally just, they're looking at me, and I just took a deep breath, and I said, whatever's going on in your family, God's going to work it all out. Have a wonderful day. And they went, wait, we live in Ohio, but our son lives here in Miami, and him and his wife are getting a divorce, and we don't want that to happen to our grandchildren, and, and this, these are wonderful people, and we came down to talk to them, and this is a great word. Thank you so much. The long of the story is they went back to Ohio. David got their phone number. They kept in touch with each other, and within a month, the Lord worked miraculously and kept that couple together. That, I would call that a a word of knowledge that he didn't get. I mean, he had the dream. Maybe that was like in the realm of a, a word of wisdom that God gave him. But, but the knowledge came. God downloaded him what to say. And he shared it with the, the people at that table. And God can use all of us that way. That's what we all need to be praying about. Lord, how can you help me to cut through a lot of the red tape and get right to the core of the problem and help people to understand who you are. See, the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us, the Bible says that his gifts are um, without repentance, so permanent, permanent gifts. So regardless of your age, you have a gift that is designed for you to be used in to build up the body of Christ. We are all in Christ through the Holy Spirit. The body of Christ is put together by the Holy Spirit to draw all of our attention straight to Jesus. Okay? Now the gifts are valuable to help us bring people to salvation. And the more intimate we grow in our walk with Jesus... And the more we learn to love the way he loves, the more we will desire for him to use us in the spiritual gifts. Now, next Sunday, we're going to have a cowboy here. No, not a Dallas cowboy. A real cowboy. He's coming. He's going to be our guest speaker. His name is Todd Pierce. When I met him, he was the chaplain for the Pro Bull Riders uh, circuit, and they always came to Vegas. They still do. He's no longer doing that because now he travels as an evangelist, and he mainly goes to prisons where he breaks a horse for the inmates. Uh, there's a horse they bring in that's never been ridden, and I'm telling you, friends, it's the most wonderful gospel presentation you've ever witnessed because he stands in the middle of the the circle arena that the horse is running in, and he's like the father, and that horse is like us, and he says, if this horse will ever just learn to trust me, then I'll show him his purpose, why he's on this planet. He's not just to be made glue <laughs> at the factory. He has great purpose and can be used greatly of the Lord, this horse. So that's really cool. That's going to happen next week. I wish we had a way to get the horse in here, and uh, we, we don't, so hopefully he'll have a little bit of video to show you that. But the week after that, we're going to come right back to this portion of Scripture, and we're going to do some very practical things. It's going to either be the coolest service you've ever been in or the craziest I don't know which one, but it could be both because we're going to try real hard, uh, and, and it's okay to fail, but we're going to try real hard to see the gifts, all the different gifts, the spiritual, the supernatural gifts operate in our church. So verse 3, this is from the New Living Translation. Dale told me last week, Pastor, I finally went out, got a New Living Translation so I could follow along with you. 
And then I didn't use the New Living today. Sorry about that, Dale. But here's verse 3 from the New Living. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, back then, the Jewish people in their synagogues, when they met, one of the things they would always do is curse apostates. And Jesus was right at the top of their list. They thought he was such a renegade, and so they taught people how to curse him. And so uh, anybody that was kind of Jewish, and, and not kind of Jewish, really Jewish, but kind of having an affinity towards Jesus, boy, they'd grab him. Remember what Paul says in Acts chapter 26, verse 11? He, he says, many times I would uh, have these, these Jewish people punished in the synagogues to get them. I made them curse Jesus. And then there came a time in that whole culture where people were told either curse Christ or you're going to die. In fact, remember the story, Bishop of Smyrna, Polycarp? He's, he had a famous reply right before he was martyred. He said, for 86 years now, I have served my master Jesus, and he's never done me wrong. How could I blaspheme my king who saved me? And then he, he died a martyr's death. The early Christian battle cry was, Jesus is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. Say it like you mean it. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And everyone back then was supposed to proclaim Caesar was Lord. But so many would only give their a supreme allegiance and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul believed that someone could only say Jesus is Lord when the Spirit enabled them to say it. Surrendering to the Lordship of Christ isn't something we discover on our own. It's something which God the Father, by his grace, reveals to us. Could you put that slide up? Surrendering to the Lordship of Christ isn't something we discover on our own. It's something which God the Father, by his grace, reveals to us. Okay, now, real quick. Let's take a look at the spiritual gifts. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians are Paul's answer to another one of those things that was going on in the church, and it was about all the divisions that they had. And so some of them were saying, you know, our gifts are better than uh, those of us who follow Peter, our gifts are better than those who follow Apollos. And, you know, it was ridiculous what was going on. And so Paul comes along, and now it's part of Holy Scripture to teach that every Christian and every gift, every spiritual gift is essential for the church if it's going to reach its full potential. If... Jesus were here right now. He would operate in every gift. Jesus Christ is the only one who had all the gifts. He had all of the supernatural gifts. He had all of the ministry gifts. He had all of the motivational gifts. Jesus had all the gifts. But when he left, he went to heaven and he sent us his spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, you go read Acts chapter 2, what happened? Well, the, the fire came and it separated and it rested on each disciple. And what that meant was nobody now has all the gifts. But you have a gift and I have a gift. And what happens when we at this church come together and we begin to utilize all of the gifts? You know what this community is going to see? Instead of just a caricature of Jesus Christ, if we're flowing in all the gifts, they'll look at our church and they, will, they should see a blaze of the glory of God going forth. And Julie drew me a beautiful picture this week. If you could put that up. <laughs> 
Yeah, Lord, not, not literally, Lord. Please, Lord, don't burn our church down. But that's what ought to be happening in here. We come together. We're all like hot coals because we've been loving Jesus all week long. You know, I, people ask me, why do you read so much scripture? Because you're not. <laughs> At least I don't know if you are or not. I promise you I won't read one scripture if everybody here has read the word of God every single day during the week. If you can promise me that, then I won't have to read so much scripture. But um, I read twice as much today because I think I missed Friday myself this week in reading the scripture. Anyway, we we ought to come together. We ought to have all the gifts in operation. It ought to look like to this community a blaze of the glory of God. They ought to be able to see, look at us and see Jesus. Our common goal is the building up of the church and building up the individual members of the church through agape love to become mature Christians. That's our goal. That's what we're here trying to do. When a person puts his or her faith in Christ, they immediately, immediately are forgiven of their sins, and they immediately become members of the body of Christ. At the moment that they gave their lives to Jesus, when you gave your life to Jesus, at that moment, what happened? The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And he began to fit you as an essential member of the body of Christ. Now, let me use a a different analogy. She or he immediately becomes part of the bride of Christ. There's no process in this. There's no time delay. Before we become a part of the body of Christ or the bride of Christ, it happens immediately. But how many of you know that as Pentecostals and our church denomination is the Assemblies of God, We believe that there is a secondary experience of what we call the infilling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit. When I was nine years old, I was sitting on the front row after church. It was a Sunday night. My dad was the pastor. Uh, We had to stay till everyone left. We had to lock up the church. Uh, oh, man, sometimes we were there a long time. Because back in that day, in the 60s, people used to do this thing called tarrying. Tarry. They would tarry in the altars. They would pray. They would seek the Lord's face. They would cry. They would be baptized in the Spirit. They would cry out to God. And we had four of the most sanctified and holy ladies in that church, and they, those girls could pray. And they were praying, and I'm on the front row waiting for them to get finished so we can go home. And um, they're all praying in the Spirit. And I'm nine years old, and I have this hunger as a nine-year-old. I want what those girls have. These, they were older ladies, actually. And so... I began to mimic the words they were saying. And I'm nine years old. For four years, the devil lied to me. He said, you're just making that up. You didn't get baptized in the Spirit. So I never, ever spoke in tongues again until I was 13 years old. Now I'm at a youth camp, and I'm telling you, I got one of those Holy Ghost gully washing out of my innermost being, began to flow rivers of living water, and I got baptized gloriously in the Holy Spirit. And then I was given my, praise the Lord, I was given my... um, my spiritual timeline one day in college, we had to all share our stories, and I'm given my spiritual timeline, and I said, uh, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 13, and you know what the Holy Spirit said? I baptized you when you were nine. I said, no, I just, I just kind of mimicked the words I heard. He said, your heart was pure. 
I received it. I filled you when you were nine years old. The book of Acts describes the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a subsequent experience of the Christian that is evidenced with the gift of tongues. Now that freaks people out when people begin to pray in another language. But how many of you know, there's a lot of languages out there. It could be an actual language. If it's not an earthly language, it's definitely a language of angels. So can I just throw this in real quick? You know, I used to believe, we've, we have all used to say this in our circles, you know what, um, I speak in tongues so the devil can understand me. Well, how many, I want you to know something. He speaks every language. He certainly knows every person on the planet, and they hear what you and I hear. Any kind of accusation he can throw at you, because that's what Satan means, accuser. And so he knows every language, and he was an angel. He is an angel. He's a fallen angel, but he knows all the angelic. I speak in tongues to drive him crazy because he knows exactly what I'm saying. He knows that I'm giving glory and honor and praise to, to Christ because my English is inadequate. And so he's given me a, 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 either a heavenly language or sometimes uh, it's it's actually an earthly language. I, I, one time I was, uh, as a youth pastor, in 1984, I'm uh, taking a group of kids. We all went to the Olympics. I, I was a youth pastor in Los Angeles. And we went down, and uh, a man from Russia who did not speak a word of English, uh, but I, I just was able to figure out that, oh, he, was, he, you know, he told me he was from Russia. He could say Russia. And I just walked with him. I just walked with him and smiled at him, and uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to speak in Russian. So I just began to pray in the Spirit and speak in his language, and every once in a while he'd look at me and his eyes would get big. I don't know if I spoke Russian. I don't know what happened, but I think the Lord is happy with us when we, like little children, attempt to flow in the Spirit. When a person receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they receive the gift of tongues, and it allows the Christian to pray in the Spirit more effectively so that they have more power in their Christian walk and more intimacy with God as they pray in the Spirit. When a person gets saved, they receive the Holy Spirit and all the gifts he wills to give you. And then... This, these gifts come, and they're not able to be accessed in the fullness of their power until you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 in our text today says that there are diversities of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 8 says the spiritual gifts are given to the Christian by the Holy Spirit. On the one hand, it's given through the Spirit... What is given through the Spirit are the spiritual gifts that are listed in verses 8 through 10. And we're going to really go into this. Not next week. The cowboy will be here, uh, Todd Pierce. But the week after that, we're going to really, really take our time and look into this. Now, verse 11 states even more powerfully that the gifts are given through the Holy Spirit. And here's what 11 says. All of these gifts are the inner workings of the one and same Spirit distributing his own gifts to each one just as he wills. As the Holy Spirit wills. The spiritual gifts which you and I have are different, but it's the sovereign decision of the Holy Spirit. You can certainly pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you certain gifts, but ultimately it's up to the Holy Spirit to distribute his gifts for the utmost good of the church for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus so that they will come to salvation and then so that our church can grow and be strong in the Lord. Every Christian has at least one gift 
a lot, most have more than one gift. Now, we all have what Romans 12 describes as a motivational gift. It's how you're wired. Do you know what your motivational gift is? One time I had on staff here two staff members. One of them had the gift of serving, but could also administrate entire operational outreach, big events. Uh, That's very unique. The other pastor had the gift of administration, but he wasn't afraid to put on the apron and serve. That's very unique. Those two gifts are really opposite of each other. And these two guys had a hard time with each other. And I had to bring them in my office one day and say, look, you are a server, but you can administrate. You are an administrator, but you don't mind serving. You guys are so opposite, you don't understand each other. And I want you to get to the place where you appreciate each other's giftedness. And it was wonderful because they began to to really, really see the benefit of the other. Now, many people in this church have one of the five ministry gifts mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. And I like to show that by the hand. The apostle is like the thumb. It's a modern-day missionary who goes into unevangelized areas of the world, preaches the gospel, uh, gets people saved, then sees which ones might have the pastoral gift, starts training them so he can move on to another unevangelized area, but leave a trained pastor there who's from that indigenous people group. That's an apostle. A prophet's the one who's going to stick his bony finger in your face and say, get right or you're going to get left. The evangelist has the, the greatest outreach, longest finger, and so uh, that's a beautiful gift. And then the, you know, use this hand, the pastor teacher is married to the church. It stays there. So five-fold gift of, of the ministry gifts. And a lot of our folks have some of these gifts, and it's awesome. And God's going to use all of those gifts. It's going to be powerful as we see what he does as these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. We all begin to grow in grace and learn how to love the way that Jesus loves. Now, something that's been missing for years is that some churches choose to either teach about the gifts, but then... They don't talk at all about God's love. And that happens. Or it's the other way around. They only talk about love, but they won't get anywhere near the gifts. Everybody loves 1 Corinthians 13, but not everybody loves 12 and 14. So what we're trying to do today is to show you, and in the next few weeks, how you can't operate in the gifts unless you learn how to love the way the Lord loves. It's very, very important that we learn this. We need to see how interrelated these two things are. And so as we study the gifts of the Spirit, we're also going to study agape love and see how they blend together. Did you know that in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 and 2, there's four different gifts of the Spirit that are written down there? Look it up. Uh, It's tongues, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and faith. And it states that as spectacular as these gifts are, if they're done without agape love, they won't build up the church, they won't profit the Christian or the person who's seeking Christ. So that is very, very important. I want to show you a verse right now that um, it's verse number in chapter 12. It is verse number 1, and there's a special word in there, and it could be translated like this. Show me that next slide there, if you will. Spiritual people 
use spiritual gifts that are gifts of God's grace when the Christian acts in agape love to bless those who are broken. And remember, friends, we're all broken people. We just have different details. But the word there is pneumaticon, and uh, pneuma, pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, is the word for spirit. So pneumatology would be a study of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the word can either be translated spiritual people or spiritual gifts. So it's translated spiritual gifts in most of the translations. But it's spiritual people being used of God in spiritual gifts through his grace, with his love, being a blessing to others. Okay, that's what we're going to look into. I told you about the Trinity right there in verses 4, 5, and 6. Make sure you're aware of that. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings about the diversity of the gifts. Jesus is the one that brings about the diversity of the ministries. And then it's the Father that brings about the diversities of the inner empowerings to God. Go to the next slide, if you will, please. And that's exactly what this says. The Trinity is right there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's the Father who's the one empowering all of these things inside all of his children. Far from suggesting, as some have, that these verses teach that the Holy Spirit's not fully equal with the Father and the Son, don't buy that. He's absolutely the third person of the Godhead. They are equal. They live in perfect harmony and unity with each other. This harmony, this shalom peace, this unity will be experienced by every believer throughout the rest of eternity as we live together in heaven. However, what these verses are teaching us is that there is an infinite creativity, diversity, and inner empowering of the Christian to use the charisma gifts that God gives to us. Charisma is another word. It's where we got the charismatic movement word, but it it comes from the Greek word for grace. And God graciously, through his love, wants to allow every one of us to be used by him so that we can impact a desperate, hurting, and broken world. The unity of the Trinity does not lead, as some might suspect, to a uniformity of gifts and ministries, but because of the diversity of the brokenness and the extent of the devastation caused by man's sinfulness, the Trinity and their creativity and agape love for the world provide a diversity of charisma, giftedness of grace so that people will be saved, healed, and guided into wholeness. That's what we're looking for. So it's important that all of us together Come to this place where we say we want very much to be used of God in his spiritual gifts. The Father is the ultimate source of all spiritual blessings. Christ is the intermediate agent through whom all blessings come. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies all spiritual blessings to the believer. So, Again, that doesn't diminish the Holy Spirit. He's fully God. But it's showing us the unity of the Trinity and how the Trinity works together in all things, whether in creation or salvation or distributing spiritual gifts. Now, the gifts themselves, for the last 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been pouring out these gifts to his church so that we can get the work done that God wants us to get done. 
Over 2,000 years, the way Christians define the spiritual gifts has changed with the times, but it's the same spirit distributing the diversity of the gifts in agape love. Now listen, we're living in a time where we are desperately needing to see all of the gifts in operation, not just here in our church, but as every one of us go about our day-to-day activities, we all need to pray for a word of wisdom. So let me give you an example in the Bible of a word of wisdom. Paul's on a ship. He gets a word of wisdom that the ship's going to wreck, and if the people don't all stay together, somebody's going to die. But if they'll all stay together, nobody's going to die. That was a word of wisdom, and so they all stayed together and nobody died. A word of knowledge is Uh, Let me give you a a practical example. Um, I was, the other day I went to eat. I was by myself. Pam was out of town. And I'm sitting there, and the the waitress is just bubbly. Oh, man, she's just making everybody's day. And the Holy Spirit says to me, tell her that her sorrow is about to turn to joy. And I went, "Uh, she doesn't have any sorrow. She's the bubbliest person in the room. So when she came by and I got her attention, I said, "Uh, could I just tell you something real quick? And she goes, sure. I go, "Uh, the Lord wants me to tell you that um, your prayers are about to get answered. And she starts crying. And then she goes and she comes back about ten minutes later and she says, you know, The last three months have been the hardest three months of my life. And I said, oh, oh, good. I mean, not good, but but good. You've had some sorrow in your life, right? She goes, oh, yeah. I go, oh, that's so good. No, it's not good. But uh, what I was supposed to tell you was your sorrow is about to turn into joy. And she started crying again. That was a word of knowledge that God gave me at that time. I'm not real great in that gift. Uh, one day we had a we had a lady here, and uh, I had my my friend with me who was new in Christ and going through some hard times, and she just she looked at him and and, and she just went, "Oh man, you're gonna be all right." <laughs> it was just like that, and and that little hesitation. He's had a tough year. Very tough. But I just felt like that was a word of knowledge from that lady and that he was going to be okay. And he's okay. I'm I'm walking you through the gifts right now. So word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, faith. Faith as a gift. In COVID, after we started up again and we, we put the tape on the seats and we were kind of trying to make sure everybody felt safe, we had a prayer meeting in here one day and there was about 17 or 18 of us in this prayer meeting and God showed up in that prayer meeting with a, the gift of faith. And we all looked at each other and we said, we're safe. Nothing's going to happen in this church. Nobody's going to die from COVID. And we started ripping the tape off. Those of you that weren't in that meeting, that didn't experience that gift of faith, were a little upset with us because you thought we should have kept the tape on and all that. But it was just one of those God moments, and we sailed right through the rest of the year, and everything was great. Now, healing. How many of you, raise your hand if you've ever received a healing from Jesus? Look at that. See, that's the gift of healing that operates. Does he heal everybody every time? I wish. Uh, Sometimes he he does. Sometimes I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how that works. But all I know is we're all supposed to be like little kids, like Olga described, and when people need prayer for healing, we just go ahead and pray. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord heals them. It's a process. Sometimes it's instantaneous. That would be called a miracle. If you pray for somebody and they get healed immediately, that's miraculous. That happened to Teresa. 
when Barry was here. She could not raise her arm. It, her arm was, her shoulder was frozen. She'd already talked to the doctor. They were going to cut on both sides because she could not move her arm. And the Holy Spirit told her, Teresa, raise your hands. And she said, hands? I can't raise this one, but okay, you said so. <gasps> and the Lord healed her right in that very moment. So, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy. What's prophecy? It's a word to encourage, edify, and strengthen the body of Christ. So, if you have a word for someone and you're going to tell them, hey, you know what? Your dog hates you. Your kids hate you. Your wife doesn't like you. That is not a word of prophecy. That's you being an idiot. Stop it. Because if God gives you a word for somebody, it's there to encourage them. It's there to edify them. It's there to strengthen them. The gift of discernment, and I'm almost done. I know I can see you getting antsy. The, the game's not till 3.30. So discernment, the ability to identify and defeat demonic spiritual powers over families, cities, territories, and countries. Our country needs this right now. Right now. Some, honestly, some demonic powers have been able because of stupid decisions we've made in our nation. They've been, our, they've been able to come back into our nation. And you, you rebuke the spirit of Moloch every time you think of it. That's the baby killer, Moloch. And he's got a stronghold in this nation again. We were able to knock him back with Roe v. Wade being overturned, but it's still a major battlefield, and we need to pray and pray and pray into this and ask God to help us to defeat the demonic powers over our country, over our cities, over our families. We need this right now. Tongues and interpretation, I don't need to tell you much about that. Those are the ones you generally hear in our services or in a... In a in fact, Amy, a while ago, she, it was probably a word of prophecy that she gave us. And did you see how it fit right in with what the scriptures told us today? To drink in the word of God. It's beautiful when the Lord just opens up our hearts and uses us. Here's a word. Everybody stand with me, if you will. Here's a word that the Lord gave me when I... Uh, was standing there, and Louis had us to get quiet. Do you know why we can't hear the voice of the Lord? Because it's never quiet. I mean, it is the world we live in. Oh, my goodness, voices everywhere, Internet, uh, social media, uh, podcast, uh, TV, every, oh, Everywhere you go, somebody's talking. And you know what? You'll never hear his voice until you get quiet. Be still and know that he is God. That's Psalm 46.10. But you need to be still so you can hear his voice.